cliffcentral.com. All right, uh, we are back, cliffcentral.com. Uh, this morning we're going to be chatting about all the things this year that have made the year what it is, good, bad, and ugly. And we're going to be joined in a moment by Canthan and by Pumi. Uh, and then we also got Sally Moing, who's going to be joining us too this morning. Cliffcentral.com, the final burning platform of the year. Right, Pums? Can you believe it's the end of the year? Hey, Canton, what's happening? Hey, guys. Great nice to be to back. You. Yeah, good to see Canton, you. Canton, you're sitting in the dark again. You know, cameras are racist. Did you not know this, Pumi? Amen. Amen. You see All right. here darker than you. Darker than Is you. That, how's that? How's that? How's uh, that? There we go. There we let go. Them now be you got light. There. Let, let them amazing. be light. Yes. That's yes. great. Uh, so, Solly, your camera isn't on for some reason. You need to go to the bottom of the screen there and start your camera up, and then we can add you in. Um, you'll see His this. camera is even more racist muted. than mine. Yeah, look. Oh, God. There we are. I know why. I know why. <laughs> Hang on. We'll give you a moment to sort that out, Solly. All right. So, uh, what a year, hey? Um, it's been another incredible year. Lots of uh, extremely interesting things in the world of politics, of the economy, of society, of human civilization. We're moving in positive directions in some ways, but in negative directions in others. How would you characterize the year? Canton, you could start this morning. How would you characterize this year? Well, I think it's been the best year ever in the history of the human race, if you consider a range of advances that we've made. Okay. Give us some examples. I know a lot of people are sitting there now scratching their heads. Yeah, they're saying, what the hell are you talking about? Try again. (laughs) Well, what the hell am I talking about? Well, you know, for example, um, that's a good question. Can we get back to this? (laughs) 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 No, no, but seriously, guys, look, just uh, think about this, uh, that um, uh, particularly if you look in the South African context for a starting point, Uh for the first time we effectively managed to end the ANC stranglehold upon all of the municipalities right. in this country. And I think that that's probably been the most positive development in the history of our country, if you uh, if you think about it. Um, if you look in the context of what has been um, uh, happening around the globe, we've been having significant political realignments that, uh, that have been uh, happening. The overall... Uh, Shall we? Uh, for the longest time, we've had a situation where there has been a almost neo-colonial, uh, 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 neoliberal agenda that has been dominating global politics. And for the first time now, we're seeing a global realignment that has been uh, happening, thanks mainly to the fact that you've had a more assertive uh, uh, China, a more assertive India, a more assertive Japan, a more assertive Russia. And... Uh, and if you look particularly in terms of what has been happening um, across in the uh, the NATO territories, there's been a, a significant fragmenting of political will at, at a number of levels. All I think is building up to a scenario where we have a world that is far more focused on actually pushing the interests of the uh, national interests, and I want to say national interests as opposed to nationalist interests. Mm-hmm. So focusing on delivery to people in their countries. And to a large extent, I think we can actually thank um, uh, COVID for doing that as well, because people being forced to close their borders and uh, and reassess exactly what they're capable of doing in the absence of the rest of the world has 
also triggered a realignment around that stuff. So th- th- those are kind well, of the broad brushstrokes. We can I, go into that. I kind of detail. agree with a lot of that. You know, um, Pums, I know you've got your own a- a- agenda for summarizing the year, but I do want to just touch on something Canton said just now. And, and I've been kind of un- I've been unimpressed with China. I've blamed them for a lot of the things I don't like about this year. I'm going to say something about China, though, is that they are a, they're a conservative society. I found out not so long ago that China is one of the few countries in the world that doesn't allow international NGOs in to meddle in their politics. And in some ways, I kind of respect that. Like, they don't allow foreign money to come and influence their own politics. And there's something about that that's kind of appealing, because if you see how much damage international NGOs have done, as much as as they do good in some respects, they also do a huge amount of damage by spreading bad ideas around the world. And China has also shown us thanks again to this virus, which nobody's thrilled with, but how you need to be self-sufficient, right? And, it, and it's kind of a, a wake-up call to all of those people who were thinking globalism and, you know, the international economy and all of that stuff. It's like, oh, no, no, that stuff's not going to happen until you sort out your own domestic issues first. Would you agree with that? Yeah, look, I think that the one thing... Am I... Yeah, you're on. You're on. I think that the, definitely the one thing that... COVID has advanced for almost every country is really about how do you as a country survive mm-hmm. <laughs> on your own right. with your borders closed and and also how do you create markets? I think though that's the thing that for us as Africans has been like, whoa, the biggest wake up for us as Africans is how fragmented Africa is. And for us as South Africa, we're such a small market. We're such a small market. Our economy will not survive as, a, as an insulated economy. So we have to find, we have to think laterally about how we, you know, how we exist within the context of the continent and with the people around us. Absolutely. So, Solly, welcome to the show this morning. It's good to see you, man, and, and I hope you've been well. Uh, how are things in your world, and what can, what can you tell us about your summary of, of the year 2021, good, bad, or ugly? Uh, well, mostly bad in South Africa. I mean, the good news, the, all the news I'm getting from South Africa is not positive. Uh, it's good that the municipal elections ended the way they did. Uh, I think that all these guys who are now running um, coalition governments have an opportunity to show the South Africans that the ANC is not indispensable. Uh, if they fail us, then the ANC is going to turn around in 2024 and say, aha, you see, you kicked us out, look at what happened. So mm-hmm. they have to, they, they really have to work very hard. And South Africans need to grow up even more to the idea that the ANC doesn't own South Africa. On your point about China, I disagree a little bit. I think that you should be careful what you're asking for because <laughs> we don't want to live in a country where a government says such as the agency tells us what we can we cannot do ngos played a really important role to fight against apartheid to help people especially in the area of civil uh, civil justice social justice and on the ground helping people now if you had a government like the ANC failing as much as it did yeah it, it, it has and 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 if you were to say no ngos here no foreign assistance locals would be in real trouble yeah. I don't want China in South Africa. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there to create some controversy. I promise you, I haven't decided yet whether I like it or not. All right, so so let's talk internet. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the sound of my. You know, I bought this fancy camera. It worked very nicely once or twice. I got it two days ago. Now it's not. Now I'm using. My is it? Sh- is it also from China? 
No, I, well, I bought it here in Switzerland. <laughs> it gave me a beautiful picture just two days ago. But anyway. <laughs> well, um, let's let's go. Well, Gareth, if yeah, go ahead. If, if I could, if I could then dive into something that uh, you know kind of epitomizes what uh, went down uh, over the past year, and it's a story about Shell prospecting off the Wild Coast. Yeah. For for oil. Yes. And if you want an example in terms of how we've had money that has come in from NGOs to push a particular agenda. And in this case, it is an agenda that, uh, that, that says you must not develop, you must not exploit your natural resources, you must go out of your way to uh, in, ensure that you are suppressing your ability to produce cheap energy that's going to benefit your country, and instead you must spend money on renewables that we are shipping from the rest of the world. Now, that is an agenda that is basically being pushed by money that is coming from outside the country. And you can see it in terms of all of the platforms that get uh, uh, influenced uh, by financial injections, particularly from the likes of the uh, Open Society Foundation, that effectively ends up drowning out a real conversation around South Africa's need to actually become energy independent, particularly given uh, the fact that the RAND has been plummeting the way it has been. So the entire campaign that, was, uh, that has been raging against uh, the offshore exploration that's you know, searching for mineral resources mm -hmm. has been completely devoid of any rational debate whatsoever. So that, that's one example of where, just simply because of the fact, a significant chunk of the media right now, mm. and I'm not going to name your Daily Maverick, a significant <laughs> chunk of the media right now has been pushing these particular agendas. Whereas we should be having the discussion around, are we capable as Africans of exploiting our own resources responsibly and with minimal damage? Because, and and for, know, our, for our own benefit, because it's not, our benefits are not going to come from international uh, countries and companies. They're not going to come here and do, yes, do they, us Yes, they don't give us stuff about us. Right, exactly. Yes. Now, at the same time, if you want reason to have outrage against Shell, you need to have outrage against Shell for the way in which they have generally engaged with most of the third world. And, uh, and of course, today we look at um, uh, the fact that 20-something uh, uh, years ago, we had the, the scenario in Nigeria where you had Ken Sarawiwa and nine other activists who were executed. Mm. And we've now had a court ruling that says, yes, in fact, Shell can um, be brought up on charges for its culpability. Uh, in terms of that uh, that entire situation, right. which then ties into stuff that Pumi was just talking about around how we engage with the rest of the continent. And it brought to mind uh, figures that Mike Schussler has been tweeting over the past couple of days, mm -hmm. which talks about the extent to which we as South Africa end up subsidizing all of the other countries of the Southern African Customs Union. So effectively, we are keeping nearly all of the other members of the Southern African Customs Union afloat. So are now, you, are, you suggesting, are you suggesting it's time for them to pay their own way? No, I'm not suggesting that at all. It ties in with another point that uh, um, I'd, I'd like to bring in in terms of how we engage with the rest of the continent, that we must stop this bullshit about the fact that we are all brothers and sisters in Africa. It's rubbish. 
It, it's rubbish because we are all of us, uh, uh, as nation states on this continent, inherently xenophobic. We inherently tribalistic, and really, what we need to be trying to do is to build alliances that are based on values, mm -hmm. rather than alliances that are actually based on the fact that we are all African. And so what am I talking about by that? You know, we need to consider the stuff that's in the preamble of our own constitution. And we need to look at how our fellow members of the Southern African Customs Union actually adhere to those values. And we need to tell them, look, we're very happy to continue giving you money, but we actually need you to come to the party at a number of levels. For example, we don't want you to have a death penalty. We don't want you to be having an ongoing crusade against gay rights. We don't want you to have an ongoing um, uh, crusade against emancipation of women. All of those types of things, mm. you know, play nicely mm. with us around those things and we'll continue giving you money. And that's the, the place I think that our diplomacy needs to be shifting. And this is where the real conversations for me need to be starting. Yes, you know, we are uh, still, you know, in spite of the fact that Nigeria has overtaken us on the continent, we're still the economic superpower of, uh, of sub-Saharan Africa. Mm -hmm. And we, we need to actually start using that power in a way that is actually going to better the surrounding countries. This entire chaos that's happening in Zimbabwe uh, right now, because of the fact that our government has again arbitrarily decided that they're going to cut off all of the work permits for it's people from ridiculous. Uh, uh, from Zim. It's uh, utterly ridiculous. You know, we have a scenario where our country depends on that migrant labor because they're providing skilled migrant labor into our country. We are now saying no, this is, uh, and Tito Mboweni was getting onto this bandwagon. You know, when the, the job market opens up, it must be South Africans first. No, actually, it must be legal workers here first, because that's why we're importing those skills. But that's my rant, guys. Sure, you, you, you've, you've dropped a lot, of, uh, just... a lot of clangers there. Go ahead, Sully. You know, I mean, you're saying we're importing this, these laborers. We don't have any importing those people. Our borders are porous. When you, imp you know, I'm, I'm living in Switzerland right now. The city here knows that I'm here. They knows where I live. They know where I'm doing. You have to go to a special office to say it's called uh, the, the population control office. In South Africa, you don't even know who is in your cities. Okay, so you can't say we're importing people. We're just letting people flood into the country. I'm not against people coming to the country with skills to bring us a kind of labor that we don't we don't have in South Africa. But you can't just say, let's open the door for borders for everybody to walk in. Okay? Uh, Solly, 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 you are, you are putting false words into my mouth. I'm talking very specifically about the fact that we had work permits that were issued to legal workers, legal Zimbabweans in this country and our government has now pulled the plug on them. I'm talking very specifically about that. I okay, don't want porous, I, I don't want porous borders. I'm talking very specifically about people who have been legally in this country, who have established businesses in this country, who have built lives in this country, who have families in this country. You know, they're going to school out here. They are taxpayers. Okay. That's and fine. these are the people that we are pulling the plug on. That's right. fine. I'm, I'm, I, I agree with you on that. People who are legally in South Africa should be allowed to stay in South Africa for as long as they're legal, but they should remain legal. I don't have a problem with that. But I want to talk about the, the other things that we Africans tend to cry, to cry over quite a lot. Okay, the shell matter that you mentioned, we have to be sure that if it were to happen, 
it should be that the, the 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 benefits would would go to the to the crew to the people of all South Africa. We don't know who the BE partners are, what's going on. They've been there have been stories not only in opposition of of the exploration itself, but in terms of what the deals are with the ANC, and that's yeah. a problem. We keep sorry again. I'm in complete. I'm in I'm in complete yeah, agreement. But with you, yeah. when you listen, when you talk, we listen. Can I also yeah. speak? Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing that I want to mention is we in Africa tend to cry over the outflow of funds, you know, maybe by multinationals who are not paying sufficient rent or sufficient taxes in South Africa, in Africa. But what we don't talk about is, suppose that situation were to be stopped. Suppose those out- outflows were to be capped. Where would the money go? We don't have the discussion that looks at the two sides. Of it. We think that if the money doesn't go out, it'll, be go- it'll go to where it should go in South Africa or in Africa. We should have those discussions. We should... In- in Nigeria, they cried over the, the, all the, the revenue coming from exploration of, of oil going to a few, a, hand, a handful of individuals. If you've been to Nigeria, you look at the wealth of that country, look at the poverty in that country, look at the number of the, the, the extent to which the Nigerians are forced to leave their country to go live elsewhere. It's a problem. You can't just say, let's, ex- let's explore our natural resources if you don't say, okay, then what happens after that? We, we have to have the, the full conversation. Absolutely right. And I'm saying that we have not had that conversation. That is the conversation we should be having. Instead, what we have said is it's bad for the animals. Full stop. Sure. Your, all of your points are absolutely valid. But, um, but, but Canton, there are going to be people who are going to hear you now and say, ah, so you're saying you don't care at all about the environment or about the animals, because that's the argument that's been proffered by all these media publications who've been so anti-Shell doing this. You, you've explained what the positives are. Uh, Sully's hinted at some of the negatives. Obviously, the biggest worry anybody has, if we suddenly discovered a huge amount of natural resource that would make this country very, very rich immediately, and this has happened in countries like Venezuela and Norway and Nigeria, where they've been able to basically pay for everything through the discovery of fossil fuel um, uh, resource piles that they didn't know until very recently. If we did discover that, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that the ANC would be at the trough helping themselves to all of it pretty much before anyone else could get a single taste of the thing, right? That would be the biggest problem. Sorry, sorry, you hinted at that already. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, if we don't trust the people who are running our affairs, who are loading it over the affairs of our country or the continent, then that's a problem. We have to sort that out first. We have to know that we, in South Africa, let's talk about South Africa, we have the, the kind of government that you mentioned the constitution earlier, that lives to the spirit of the constitution, that works for the people of South Africa. We don't have that government, okay? We can dream all we want, we can do all the information we want, we can get all the money we want from overseas. We, how much, what happened to the 500 billion rand? What happened to all the money that has been lent to South Africa by the IMF, by the World Bank over the past year, just the, the past two years since 2020? We don't know where that money has gone to. Right? So if you don't trust the people who are loading it over your affairs and you think that looking at the one side of the, of the, of the equation is sufficient, it's not. We need fundamental systemic changes in South Africa, including in the way the country is governed. Okay, so right now, so, it's so not working. We're bree- breezing through a few things that I actually want to spend a bit of time on. So, Pumi, I know you've got some strong <laughs> opinions on, on illegal immigrants and on legal migrant workers. I mean, just from your point of view, how do you think South Africa is doing in terms of, of managing that, if we're even making any attempt to manage it at the moment? And when we do, it is arbitrary and taking away people's work permits and that kind of thing. It's ridiculous. If you were a foreigner in South Africa trying to bring your skills to the economy and trying to make a living, 
this is probably one of the most dangerous places for you to be because you just never know what could happen next, right? Look, I think the thing that is the most disconcerting thing about this uh, special exemption permit that everybody is all up in arms about, and over the past couple of days, I've seen Aaron Mutualedi everywhere, like flapping his gums about it. Is Zimbabwe's response to this? For me, that is utterly it's embarrassing and this is unfortunately you know there's no shortage of embarrassing leadership in in africa but you have emerson Mnagagwa fighting with the south african government mm. to, to not have people to to not have citizens to not have his citizens back in his country because he feels that he fears that they may be fermenting like anti establishment that the, the, South, the Zimbabweans who are in South Africa right now shouldn't be coming back to Zimbabwe because they may be fomenting or trying to overthrow his government. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think, you know, when you think about this, when, when, I, when I heard that, when I read that, I just thought to myself that the, the problems that we have are, are way bigger than the problems that we kind of glossing over when it comes to that. The special exemption permit has been extended and has been extended. And the extension, the reason why, and Kenton here, I do, I do have to disagree with you, is that people have been given grace periods to get the visas, to get the paperwork in place, and they have not. You know, this, this exemption permit has been extended since 2014. So these are people who are not, you know, just sitting back and not doing what they need to do to yeah. show that they're in but the country. This is, this is also very, this, this is very South African. So I've, I've made a point this year, and I'd like to hear what all three of you have to say about this. I made a point this year of how great it has been to be in South Africa during COVID because nobody cares about the rules. And our government has tried uh, to, to ruin the economy. They've tried to make rules about what we should do, sanitizing, masking, um, all kinds of things, and none of it has really amounted to any kind of success. And what we've learned in the last two years in South Africa is that you make your own rules. This is the Wild West. Nobody cares what the government say. And there hasn't been a single day, with the possible exception of the first lockdown and the day after the president announced his rules, that South Africans went, whoa, hang on, we've got to comply. We do whatever we want in this country, and that goes for people who are here illegally as well. They do whatever they want to. So Pumi's right. Like, since 2014, there's been this application process. Nobody's filled it in because nobody respects the law in this country. You just do what you want. You agree? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that when the guys at the top do not respect the law, I mean, South Africa has been turned into an Orwellian animal farm. We all know that. So why should the guys at the bottom respect the law when the guys at the top don't respect the law? Why should the guys at the top, at the top bottom care about the law when the guys at the top can create, can, can um, um, cause or commit all the crimes we know of today and they get away with it? We've seen even the application of the lockdown rules throughout the period. Some ministers have gone out and they did some stupid things. We, we are told that they were deprived of a month's salary. We don't know that they were indeed deprived of a month's salary. Mm-hmm. So it's like their rules are rules. So it's, it's really hard to have everybody saying, you know, we need to respect the law. This is how we want to live. This is the, the, the spirit of South Africa, etc., etc. When the guys at the top keep showing us the middle finger, which is, the, which right. is what they do all the time.
rule of law. You know how excited I was that Captain was coming on the show today because we're going to be speaking about like the big news stories of the week. And the rule of law just reminds me, I thought, Captain, you were going to come on the show and you were going to eat your words about Shamila Patoi. <laughs> What were my words about Shamila Bato? You're like, let's give her time. She's going to do something amazing. Just watch. I do think, I, to be, you know, yes. you are joining. To be, oh, you exactly like you exactly like Solly are putting words into my mouth that were not there to start off with. No, 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 Kenton, I, Kenton, you and Garrett. When Shamila Patoi was first That was six weeks into her appointment more than three uh, yeah, years ago. Say, me. And and I okay. I'm still waiting and for I said and I said and I said six weeks was too slow. What do you think today of her? Oh she's what a do I think today of her is the fact yeah. is the fact that she has not delivered anything to speak of. We've been paying this woman to sit there and do absolutely bugger all for the entire, how, how many years yeah, is now, three, painful. four years that she's been in there? Entire contract almost. And when she does come out to speak in public, she speaks more and more like an ANC politician with nothing, yeah. just words and words with nothing to give. And she, that's a problem. She is one of the most disgraceful people, not because she's gone and actively committed fraud and corruption like so many in, in, the, in the government, but because she sat on her hands and, and did absolutely zero. What a disappointment. What a disappointment. She's about, guys, she's about to disappoint us again like my banner. We're going to see it, that, that the free state issue, she's going to disappoint us yet again. Watch this space. It's just, she's going to fuck know, that thing up. Yeah, we don't know what she's been told and what she's afraid of. I'm looking at the Zondo Commission. I mean, I love Justice, Deputy Justice Zondo, but what's going on with these extensions and extensions? I know that, you know, something that we haven't really spoken about is that he, this man wants to become the next Chief Justice, right? Mm -hmm. he, he depends on President Ramaphosa to make the final decision to make him Chief Justice. But he also has this report that's going to raid like cold, a bucket of cold water on the face of the ANC that he leads the president. So how is it going to work? I mean, how do they separate? Please make me the next chief justice of the country. Yeah. But I got really bad news for the party you lead. How do you separate that? Good point. Um, and, and obviously we can talk about the judiciary, but we've also got to discuss just how pointless and effortless and, and useless the, the legislature has been. In the last year, you know, we never talk about them because we tend to focus, since we are a country which is led by the executive, uh, we tend to focus a lot on the president, on cabinet, on the bureaucracy. But we must pay a little more attention to what goes on in parliament. And frankly, very little has happened in parliament this year. They make a lot of rules that are unenforceable. They make many uh, une unexecutable uh, rules in, in the legislature in this country. And as someone once said on this show... If you're not going to be prepared to enforce the law at the barrel of a gun, then why make the law in the first place? We've got tons of stupid laws on our books. We should be cutting those down, not putting new ones in. Don't you agree? Well, on the bright side, they weren't able to get expropriation without compensation through Parliament. So, exactly. you know, that, that uh, for me is a sign that Parliament is, in fact, doing its job. <laughs> Guys, you, you less, know, I think... Less is more. Less is more. You know, just it, in terms of our conversation today, I think we spend a lot of time, dumb, uh, you know, just basically bashing on South Africa and about all of the things that we consistently end up getting wrong. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the same time, I think 
You know, let's actually take a view about the fact that we are an incredibly resilient bunch of people. We mm -hmm. come up with hugely innovative stuff to deal with a whole range of problems. And this country actually still manages to thrive in spite of the fact that we have, you know, either the second or third worst uh, incompetent government in the entire universe. So, <laughs> you know, let, let, let's talk well, about some of that, uh, that, uh, that good stuff. That, I agree. It's, uh, it's, Christmas. Maybe, uh, it's Christmas in two days' time. Yes. Let's, let's talk about the positives. <laughs> Sully, what did you want to say? I wanted to say, well, well, let's put all our resilient energies together to sort to sort out our railway system. And each time I see a picture of a once beautiful <laughs> train station gone to rot, people building shacks on the. I'm so we can talk about, we can gloat about all our resistance all the time, all we want. The fact is, the country is rotting. The fact is, the infrastructure in the country is not going the way it should be going. Money to maintain infrastructure has been destroyed, taken away, stolen, or misabused elsewhere. We should talk about those things in terms of the poetry of being the resistance. It's good to be resistance, but it, we, have to, we have got to have something to show off it, really, don't we? Yeah. I, yes, absolutely, we should. I, I do agree with Canton, though, that there are so many things that we can be proud of, none of them having to do with... Uh, you know, our, our government or the, the rules or the laws or the people who sure. are in certain positions. I mean, you know, if anything, what we learned during those riots in, in KZN, which were a major turning point for South Africa and a, and a moment where I think many South Africans took stock of how bad or good their situation is. What we saw there was ordinary people standing up for themselves Ordinary people in ordinary communities, including taxi drivers looking after housewives and shopping centers in Pumalanga so they could do their shopping. You know, we saw a lot of good. And I didn't take out of that that we were a bad uh, bunch of people. I didn't take out of that that the government are responsible for everything. What I learned from that is that South Africans are extremely well-resourced, and we are able to make decisions for our own benefit very much of the time. Uh, and, and that's something to be praised. Uh, it, it doesn't take... A, a huge majority of people to make things change. It takes a an intransigent minority of people who say, to here and no further. And I think that was the lesson that Cyril learned in those riots too. He learned, you know what, the people of this country are not going to tolerate uh, a, a, a Jacob Zuma in infraction. Uh, what did they call it? They called it our own insurrection, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's right. a, it's a that's pushing a bit of a point. But the fact is, like yeah. all of that stuff, as horrible as it was. We, those factories are, are back up and running. Many of those businesses are back up and running. Uh, those people who work there are back there working. Uh, we've, got, we've got things starting to turn. Again, the wheels starting to turn. I think that we've learned an enormous amount about how strong we are and how good we are yeah. and how much can be achieved. Yeah, look, I don't want to give the impression that I don't believe. I mean, my entire existence is about seeing that silver line, seeing that South Africans, despite all the division, the, the divisions, the negative, negative narratives, I see people from across the board wanting to the best for South Africa, working together, despite what is going on in the corridors of power and elsewhere. So I totally believe in South Africans. I really don't. I really do. And that's what drives me every day. That's, that's the, the middle South Africa that we need to continue growing and strengthen because the, all the other extreme, the, the, the loud extremes on both the right and the left side, especially on the extreme left side, are creating the impression that we are not, we are a totally divided country. There's nothing that can hold anymore. But I think that we can hold and we can still take back the country and make it the best in the continent in the world. I believe that entirely. Kenton, which are the ones that stand out for you? 
use that that we have to be I think go sorry uh, uh, you know what I liked about we tend to say oh these poor stupid people always vote for the ANC despite what it's doing for them I saw a clip of a lady saying or a young man saying well we're going to take all the food parcels but we're not going to vote for them you know so people are smarter than we think they are people are like they see they can through, through the day they can oh, give me the two rents to go and buy grocery for this week but you I don't like what you're doing over and the result the results of the elections show that South Africans are not foolish even in 26, 2016, we saw what happened. So mm. I think that we have to give a lot more credit to South Africans generally, even especially the poor that we, t- we tend to, you know, walk over, mm. trodden over, uh, upon, than, than we normally do. You wanted examples, Pumi. Well, I think Garrett's already touched on a couple of them. The, the way in which we as a country came together to respond to the riots was, you know, I, I think that was a watershed moment for for this country. It, uh, um, I, I think it was a snot club to a lot of the politicians in this country about the fact that we the people are able to actually turn around and do stuff in the absence. Well, uh, in, in uh, the specific case that we had in terms of the July riots, where it, it was clearly the ANC fighting among itself mm. and the country was saying actually we're not going to get caught in the crossfire and the country then went on to actually punish the ANC at, uh, at, at the elections and then look at what's come out uh, since those local government elections you've actually had coalition agreements that have been pulled together with the most diverse range of, uh, of political interests who disagree on a massive range of things but still they've been able to pull together a template that actually says we agree on the following things that we will commit to in terms of uh, building the country together. And we've been talking about this stuff now for the past few years, that when the ANC drops below 50%, that's the point at which we get our country back. So, Solly, to your point in terms of the the disaster around the rail system, you're absolutely right. It, it, it's, it, it makes me weep when, I, uh, when I look at the, the destruction that has been wrought on this stuff. But in order to get to the stage where we're able to do something about that, we need to remove the ANC from national government. And we now seem to be very clearly on a trajectory to be able to do that. And that's the point at which we can do things like fixing the rail system in a way that's not corrupt, because Mm -hmm. any budget that needs to be passed at that point has to be passed by parliament. Ditto in the case of things like oil exploration off the coast. We will then be able to see exactly where the money is flowing to, again, because you have to get more than 50% of people in parliament to Mm -hmm. vote for how that money gets spent, how the contracts get awarded, all of those things. So all of these, I think, are, are positive signs in terms of our, our trajectory. Gareth, you might remember that you know I've been bagging on for the past couple of years about the process of us needing to go off-grid and cut our mm-hmm. ties with ESCOM yep. and, uh, and the likes. And, and at the time, people were saying, oh, no, it's too expensive. Now, if I drive through most of, uh, of Johannesburg, and look, I'm very smug about Johannesburg because the fact is that we produce more than 50% of the wealth of this country mm-hmm. and the rest of the country leeches off it. So what happens in Johannesburg is actually um, setting uh, the ground rules for what happens in the rest of the country. Correct. We've got solar panels festooning the city right now. Right. You know, we have people actually and, going and, off and grid. And by the in, way, yeah, it, it, it's, it's also interesting to see that that is the case not only in rich neighborhoods but in poor as well. I 
I see shacks all yes. over informal settlements, which have so look at the East Bank of Alex. Yes, the number of solar geezers. panels that yeah. are around there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and this is a very, very positive sign because those people are less and less dependent on ESCOM, which is good for all of us. Yeah, I'm going to say something that because some of you might not like maybe. I am pro nuclear energy. Me too. I was anti. Let me say this. I was, you know, of course we need a good mix and we do have in the IRP, we have a good mix of the energy sources. But we still have a, one of the, as you say, one of the biggest economies or maybe the biggest economy in Africa. All right. Uh, it is the most industrialized economy in Africa. Now, you can't run this kind of economy on, 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 on solar power alone. You do need a mix that includes sustainable energy supply. Nuclear has that. If it's, it, it's clean, it's expensive in the, in the, in the upstream, but it's, it's cheaper to run downstream. Uh, the problem I had with nuclear was that I don't trust the, the people who were trying to get it for us. Mm-hmm. I didn't trust the kind of deals that were happening between Zuma and the and the Russians. But if we had a government that we can trust, and that, as you say, that that that, that openly decides, or oh, let us know in how decisions are made, how into where the money goes, how it's spent. I don't think there's not anything wrong with nuclear. A lot no, of no, countries no. around the world are building nuclear I, power stations. I think that's a very valid point, and I think that once we once we are able to to trust our government, God, you know, willing and holding thumbs and crossing my fingers and all of that stuff, it will be something we need to pursue because otherwise, industrially, we can't grow very much. But Canton and my point no. with the with solar is that on a domestic level. Many South Africans are starting to make themselves independent of the, the monopoly that, that ESCOM has had for the longest time. And that's, that's good all around. If you can even save 50% of your electric, electricity bill from ESCOM by, by going solar, then that's a big win. Massive win. Of course, at the moment, Canton, with all this rain we've been having, I don't know how your, your system is doing. Um, are, you, are you still managing to generate enough electricity without the sun? No, but uh, if you look in terms of what my electricity bill is uh, is like currently, before I, I put in place this entire setup, my electricity bill was consistently more than six thousand rand a month. Yeah. Now my electricity bill hovers around um, uh, a thousand, uh, around a thousand rand a month, and of that, seven hundred and uh, and eighty or something like that is the connection fee to Escom's Right. So effectively, I'm, I'm currently pulling an electricity bill of around about 300 rand a month. Phenomenal. Um, which, 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 for, which for me is phenomenal. Solly, um, uh, again, we're absolutely in agreement around uh, the question of nuclear. And a very um, uh, hope, uh, hopeful development that has happened over the past couple of days is that China has unveiled their first pebble bed modulator reactor. And and the useful thing for me, uh, so let me just give you guys uh, a bit of background around how these mini uh, nuclear reactors actually work and why they are significantly safer than the historical nuclear reactors. Mm-hmm. You see, the historical nuclear reactors essentially use water that gets superheated to then drive the turbines. Right. And these mini reactors use liquefied helium. Now, why is this such a win? If you have a, a situation like uh, Fukushima in Japan, where you suddenly have a tsunami that happens and comes and wipes out the nuclear plant and releases radioactive water into the environment, mm-hmm. in the case of helium, because helium is lighter than air, it just simply escapes up to, into the atmosphere and dissipates right. and it's gone. And 
We, in fact, were the world leaders in this particular technology through the Pebblebed uh, Modular reactor, Nuclear right. Reactor Company oh. up until uh, 2009 when the Zuma administration pulled the plug on it and just yeah. abruptly cut funding for it at the point at which we actually had the opportunity to put in place provable technology. And Solly, this comes back to the question of why we should be investing in, in ourselves. You know, really, I'd be completely happy with the idea of us spending billions of rand to develop our own technology and to then end up with a provable base that we can then build on for the rest of the country. Now China has ended up actually uh, leaping ahead, mm -hmm. and we're going to end up buying these many reactors from, from, them, yeah. uh, from China. But, but again, the useful thing in terms of the way in which these many reactors work, you can take an existing coal-fired power, uh, power station like, uh, you know, Madupi of Kusile, and, you know, literally rip out the coal-fired part of it, drop in one of these pebble bed modular reactors, and, hey, guess what? We've converted our coal infrastructure to green infrastructure overnight. Instantly. And, and, so and all it, of this, in the long term, and all of this stuff cheaper. is happening in, in, the, in the very short term. So, so I just want to uh, quickly give a special mention because there's so much to cover in this episode, and I've got three of the most opinionated people in the whole world on the show. Pumi, you've hardly said anything, but I do want to give a special mention to, to Lito and Toba, who is trying his best in a place like Velkom. And this is also one of the things I love about South Africa. We talk about resilience. We talk about the people who make a difference. And again, it doesn't require everyone in society to lift at the same time. There are small pockets of people like Lieto who is doing everything he can in his community, which is a disaster area. The ANC has gutted and disemboweled the apparatus that, mm -hmm. that runs the place. And, and, you know, he's doing his best to fight that. He's going to every meeting he can. He's making his voice heard. And he's not the only one. In communities all over, we know about Harry Smith, where they went and fixed their own sewerage plant. They, they made their own water supply cleaner and more reliable. The ordinary people in society can make a difference. Pums, this is something you say all the time, right? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I think that's the, the one thing that we can rely on is the resilience of South Africans. And with with leadership, with enough people taking a role that says, let's do this, because not everybody in our society is going to be a thinker. Not everybody is going to lead the mm -hmm. society. But we, we, need, we need a few good leaders. We need a few good people who are willing to stand up and say, if we can do this. And, and that's what... Ugh, as irritating as it is, when we look back to the time when our country was in what's this Balkan thing, when our country was growing, when our country was looking up, is we had inspirational leadership. We had inspirational leadership in Nelson Mandela. We had a leader in Tabombeki and then yeah, and then and, it all and then, kind of and then uh, Okay, I look <laughs> so I don't wanna go to Tabombeki, okay, but anyway you, you're not a fan? It's, no, no, it's okay. No, no, no. But uh, finish what you want to say, and I'll say what I want to say. But. And I think the the one thing that, and I know that there's a lot we can do in looking back and looking and kind of looking back at this year and kind of going, this is what happened. This is what happened. I'm very interested in hearing what we can look forward to in the in the new year, because there's still a lot of loose ends that have not been tied up nicely mm -hmm. with the ribbon this year. And and kind of politically speaking, looking into 2022, there are kind of some big things on the horizon 
There are some elective conferences coming up. There are shifts in leadership, we hope. And I'm very interested to hear what Soli and Canton are looking forward to seeing in the new year. Okay, can I just say, I, don't, I won't talk about table making now unless you, you want me to. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> what it's, I want no to say, don't. It's history. Okay, fine. It's fine. What I want to say is that before apartheid, there were lots of NGOs doing awesome work around the country. When the ANC came, we had the government of the people for the people by the people. And it, there was a big call by government to say all those overseas funds coming to support NGOs should now come through the government because now we have a government we trusted. We all said a lot of NGOs said, yeah, sure, you know, let the government right. go, the funds go through government. But now we are back at a point where the kind of things that you're mentioning and you, Gareth, good th- Awesome citizens doing awesome work around the country. Mm-hmm. We need to find ways to channel funds to them directly without them relying on government. We need, whether it's overseas funds or funds from local businesses and other, or, or other sources to help people like those, like, like those make the difference they must without relying on a government saying, now we can support you or we cannot support you because you're not ANC or you're not supporting the government. That's what we need. How do we get resources? How do we identify, first of all, those champions around the country? Because there are many of them. And how do you ensure that they are supported? to do what they must to make South Africa great again. Sorry for the expression. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Make South Africa great again. Wow. <laughs> well, we used to be great. We used to be great. I mean, okay, forget Trump, but I mean, we can still be great. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, uh, one of the people, and let's just focus on the personality politics for a second. One of the people who uh, is unavoidable is uh, is Pumi's friend, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa. And he has been also something of a disappointment for very many of us. Uh, but actually, I would prefer to have a president who does less. I would prefer to have a less uh, busy cabinet. I would like to see the legislature maybe doing uh, more of the, of, the, of the not getting certain laws through that Canton mentioned earlier, like uh, expropriation without compensation. Maybe in doing less, he's done us a favor. Wow. No, the, the, the thing is so much about, you know, we, we need to take the context in which he came into the, into office into account. There was huge frustration, fear, the ANC, Zuma, all of that stuff was happening. And he came and we, within months after he became president, he said, I'd rather be seen as a weak president than one under whom the ANC is going to fall. South Africans were frustrated by that. I mean, well, why does he say stuff like that? He's ended up being both, Sully. He's ended up being a weak president and a president who's presided over the ANC falling apart. Ex- so. Exactly. He got exactly, his wish. Exactly. So I don't know. I, look, South Africa needs leadership. You know, I, we, we, whichever way we define leadership, we need leadership. We need a leader that says, "Guys, we can do this. We can channel good energies into the right things to grow this country, to be strong, to support one another." And we need to ditch race policies. I'm sorry, I do not support race policies. If we came up with a South Africa that said, "Let's support every child in South Africa who has potential, irrespective of what they look like, and they need resources, they have the potential, they have the skills." Let's support this child. Most beneficiaries would be black anyway. We don't need policies that favor black people. Okay, let's just support South Africans that w- that will become Elon Musk's and Tabu Mukwena's or whatever out there yes. or here. Let's do that. But under the current ANC government, this race obsession is killing us. I'm sorry. Got my you got my vote uh, on that. I'm one. not sorry. You 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 got my vote on that one. You agree, Canton? I know you feel strongly about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. But uh, you know, in, in the ten minutes ahead, throwing forward to next year, as as Pumi has been uh, talking about. Well, let let's look in terms of major stuff that's uh, that's going on around the world. 
uh, right now. So Ukraine right now must tell you is Ooh. big. Yeah, it's a big story. Yeah, the stuff, the stuff, the stuff that is going down there is the potential for the next global conflict that's uh, happening right now, and it is all because of the fact that the current Ukraine government came about because the CIA did affect regime change in that country. So they um, uh, years ago they pushed out a democratically elected government, mm-hmm. which then led to Putin then effectively organizing a referendum within Crimea that then uh, observe, uh, pulled that into, uh, into Russia. And the stuff that's now currently happening, Zelensky, the current uh, Ukrainian uh, president, is now pushing for that country to be brought into NATO's orbit. And yesterday, um, Putin addressed his military leaders on a public platform in, uh, in Moscow and said very clearly, that this is a red line for us, and we have uh, the, both the technology and the military support to actually defend our own interests. And, uh, and if NATO expands into Ukraine, you guys are going to be crossing that line. And, uh, and he's opened up a hotline to Biden, and he said, you need to be taking this stuff seriously. So uh, this is going to be one of those scenarios where you're either going to have a... Uh, a Russian army, which, you know, literally has tens of thousands of troops on the borders of Ukraine right now. And, you know, just simply if you look in terms of conventional warfare, they're able to override Ukraine almost immediately at the point at which anything uh, goes uh, uh, toes up. So essentially, this is one of the scenarios where we need to be thankful that it's actually Biden who is sitting um, in the White House, because right now he's actually incapable of taking uh, any decisions. I mean, he can't even get his uh, current uh, Build Back Better budget yeah. passed through um, uh, passed through Congress. Okay, so that's uh, that's chaos spot uh, number one. The stuff Ukraine. that's going on in the, in the Far East. Uh, Japan <clears throat> today has announced its own hypersonic weapons. And they've also indicated that they're going to amend their, their constitution. Remember, their constitution goes back to World War II, II which essentially commits them to being pacifist. Yes. And they are now looking at amending that constitution, which means that they can now start building weapons themselves. And remember that Japan is, um, even though it is not a nuclear nation, Japan has all of the technology and all of the raw materials to be able to to assemble nuclear weapons at at very short notice. And their quest now for pushing down the path of hypersonic missiles is to take on China. Right. You have India having exactly the same approach in terms of China because of the stuff that's happening on their uh, northern border. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conflict between Afghanistan and Pakistan is going to become a real thing now because the Taliban have now started to tear down uh, a border wall that was erected between Pakistan and, uh, and Afghanistan. These are you look all... in terms of what's going to happen. Yeah. No, no, no. These are, these are all huge, huge issues. I just want to point out also that Taiwan is pretty much a done deal. Uh, I, I spoke to someone there just the other day, and they've said to me that there is a general acceptance in Taiwan now that it's just a matter of time before they are subsumed into the mainland China experience. And mainland. most people in Taiwan have just given up all hope of, of any kind of independence going forward. I think that's, well, that's I, I pretty wouldn't, much I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much about that, because, because, again, one of the conflicts that you need 
to look at in terms of what's happening in China right now is uh, uh, the conflict between Xi and Yi. Uh, now, most of you guys are not familiar with who Yi is. <laughs> no. Yi is the, the, Yi is the central bank governor. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so Xi flexed his muscles around uh, big business. So, you know, crack down on Alibaba's listing and all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But uh, the, the real battle that's being played out in China right now is the battle between the, uh, the Communist Party and the nominally independent uh, Reserve Bank. Uh, in but, the country, and, and we need to watch that stuff very carefully. And then the last major thing that we got to be uh, that, that's going to be happening is that we do have the U.S. midterm elections that are happening uh, next year. Again, very, and, very important. And and, and uh, I'm seeing very strong signs that there's going to be a significant swing to the Republican side which means that there's a very strong possibility that the Republicans are going to take control of both uh, the Senate and Congress, which means you're going to get back to a scenario where you essentially have a lame duck president mm-hmm. um, sitting in the White House. Some would uh, argue he already is. I, yeah. love, I love this summary, Canton. Yeah. So you're saying we've got to keep our eyes on Asia mostly, and then the U.S. midterm elections are the only other big thing. But I, I completely agree with you. Asia with obviously Eurasia in, in the Ukraine situation. But fascinating stuff that's going on over there. That's probably more interesting than any of our local mm-hmm. politics. What do you say, Solly? Yes. Well, I, I, very interesting uh, summary. I totally agree also. But I don't fear a big war happening, say, between NATO and Russia. There's going to be a situation of detente, you know. There's not, they, these guys, you know, will flex their muscles, but they never get to a point where they shoot the first uh, a nuclear uh, a bomb across the, the ocean or the, the land. It's not going to happen. I don't fear uh, Russia, sorry, um, Japan going into war with China anytime. What they're doing is pretty much what's happening between South Korea Posturing. and North Korea, flexing each other's muscles. It's, it's going to be really, really tough to have another war. The weapons that already exist in the world are bad, okay? And mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of yeah. what you've just said about China, Xi, Xi Jinping has been appointed leader for life. He has nothing to fear. You know, everybody else, you know, can flex all their muscles ah. against him. This guy is there until he dies. I don't see anyone, you know, you know, look, facing him up forever. What I'm looking for next year is the NGC. Pumi mentioned the NGC. I think it's going to be interesting to see that what happens to the National General Council of the African National Congress, if it happens. Because, and these guys who are, you know, uh, how to say, coalesce around Zuma. Uh, they are planning stuff behind. I don't know if if if, Marashule, if he doesn't get in prison before, which is unlikely to happen. I don't think that he's just sitting down waiting for nothing to happen. Yeah. And I don't trust David Mabuza. I fear David Mabuza. For me, were something to happen to Ramaphosa, despite what I think, what I think of him, Mabuza the cat is for. You know, if you think about it, it, we were told that he dumped Zuma and his friends in the last. Remember, he was one of the the, the Premier League guys, right? Yeah, that's he right. dumped his friends in the last minute and gave power to Ramaphosa. Have you had any of them pointing fingers at him? Not once. They've never said you you did that to us. We're going to get to why. Is there something that we don't know happening between him and those guys? Mm. Where he, where the report of the Zondo Commission to be handed over to David Mabuza? My fear is that he will say, guys, for the sake of national unity, let's forget this stuff. Let's move on. Mm. I don't think that he is, he can do what, what, like, allow the criminal justice to, uh, to, the system to do what it must. If some of those uh, recommendations, which I will expect to be, are going to be go after this one and this one and this one. So, okay. the, Ramaphosa is really 
to be protected despite I, the mess I, happening you've, around you've, him. You've put, a, a, yeah, you've put some fear into me with that Didi Mabuza statement, but Pumi and, and Canton, you were both shaking your heads about Xi. Uh, Pums, I'm going to give you the last word uh, because you've been on the burning platform almost every week and you've heard arguments in every direction. What are you looking forward to next year? I think next year is going to be a tough year. I think definitely looking at what's happening in geopolitics, there's going to be a bit of a backlash for South Africa. I think we are, our economy is in a terrible state and we and we don't have anybody with ideas of how to get us out of the terrible state. We have uh, ministers, we have a government that actually thinks that the best way to get us out of this the situation we are in is to tax us more and to cost us more. And that's a terrible thing. And I think we're, we're going to have more of that in the new year. I think the politics of South Africa is going to be even more messy than it's been this year. I think, Graham, this is what Graham's been waiting for all day. <laughs> In this show, I think as much as we're going to be watching what's going to happen with the ANC's conference, we must also watch what's going to happen at the DA because I think there are some shifts happening in the DA and they they don't bode well, not for the DA and not for South Africa. And I am very much looking forward to seeing how well we do here in Joburg with our coalition. Because I'm still a Joe Burger and all I really care about is that my trash gets picked up, yeah. and that the traffic lights are working, and yeah, that right. there are no potholes. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm cautiously and anxiously watching how Mpo uh, holds onto that power that she's got there, and if she can, if she can hurt the cats in the right direction. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is, uh, it's been a great year of the Burning Platform and not without its controversies, but we will be here next year, loud and proud and doing what we do. And we uh, are hopeful that you will be here with us as well. I'm very, very keen to hear what you have to say in the new year. Sully, it's always great to have you on the show. Canton, people love when you come on um, and you, you, you bring up things that uh, many of the, of the episodes of the show we forget about. And we're not paying attention sometimes to some of the big geopolitical things. I love hearing your insights on that front, as well as things like pebble bed modular reactors. I mean, we've we really run the gamut this morning. So thank you, Canton. Thank you, Sully. Thank you, Pumi. And we We'll see you in the new year on the Burning Platform. Thank you. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Cliffcentral.com.